Hey everyone, welcome to Conversation Peace with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where I talk to my guests about whatever is on their minds right now, and today is no exception. I am honored, and it is a credible privilege of mine to welcome poet, writer, and storyteller Kyunghee Kim to the show. Hey Kyunghee, how are you doing today? Hi Patrick, I'm great, how are you? I'm doing well. We just talked about the weather in our respective state, Midwestern states, a little bit of precipitation in both forms for us. So, you know, it's cloudy, it's gloomy, but it's been a good day overall, and it's been made even better by uh, knowing I had this conversation coming up. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, for the audience at home who may not know who you are or what you do, could you tell us a little bit about Kyung Hee Kim? Sure. So I am a Korean American, 1.5 generation person. And when I say that, I mean, I was born in Korea and came to the U.S. when I was eight years old. Um, By trade, I'm a full-time school educator. And I am now an author and have a poetry book coming out for kids. I also write for adults. And I am a big mental health advocate as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. And as you're listening to this episode, it's coming out on the 1st of April, probably. And you are, but we are recording this in March, and it just so happens to be your birthday. So one, happy birthday. Thank you for giving me time on this special day for yourself. But the reason I bring this up for our listeners, and one of the reasons that I've been so, or something that that really resonates with me um, about you is really your words. What I was drawn to by your Instagram account uh, right off the bat was just how you utilize language. And I know that we're going to get into that today in our, in our conversation. But I wanted to ask because you wrote about what it means to navigate March when it's your birthday and the different kinds of things that come up for you. And it really resonated with me because I my birthday is also in March. And it is... Um, a hodgepodge of all the different kinds of emotions that you could possibly think of, uh, especially grief. So I was wondering, as we kind of get into your story and dig into a little bit about the work that you do, and especially this book that you have coming out, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what you wrote today and kind of your your thoughts and feelings as you navigate this month. So thank you for bringing that up. And when you talk about being drawn to someone through what they share through words, that's how I feel about you and your work. Um, so yes, it is my birthday and March for me for a long time has felt like the longest month. March in itself feels like a whole year in itself. And so I was born on my grandma's birthday, a grandmother who I don't know very well, even though she lived 15 minutes away from us. And she was very much in favor of her grandsons. And so I really lived my entire life trying to please her and win her favor. And that never really happened. And so I think that's something that I'm still grappling with um, and trying to find reconciliation on my own. And when you try to reconcile on your own without the person there anymore, it's very different. So that's one. And then the second thing, um, another big layer of grief or moment of grief is my husband and I went through a big infertility journey. And then we were in the adoption journey for a while, which in Mm. itself was very painful. And the month of March, five years ago, was a time of waiting and anticipation of getting that call saying, yes, you have been accepted to be adoptive parents. Well, that that call came April 2nd, five years ago, but March was a time of big anticipation Mm -hmm. because we really thought it was going to be, and it didn't. And so when you have to try to hold those two things together of birth and death in many different ways, it's really difficult because in the end time goes on in the end the days fly by but in many ways grief is so strange because you feel like you're in a standstill while everyone and everything is still moving forward 
but you yourself also know that you are also moving forward <laughs> somehow in some way, right? Um, so yes, I, I don't know if I'm articulating that correctly, but it's just strange. And each year, each mo- March feels different than mm. the last. And so I know in that way, this kind of grief will always be with me, but it will look different each time. In this particular year, 2023, I feel a little bit of redemption Mm. because, you know, our dreams of wanting to have children through adoption that ended. And strangely, I have written a children's book that is coming out (laughs) all about all about celebrating yourself, all about what it means to belong. And so it feels really strange and it feels hurtful in a way because in many ways, I wish this was a book for my child. At the same time, it is a book for our children, like our collective children that we take care of, right? In our homes, in our communities, people around us. And so I think when we think about even the word redemption, it's good, but it can also be painful because sometimes that redemption doesn't come in the way that we want it to look like. Mm. So that's kind of like a new feeling for me this year, like feeling of redemption, feeling of a little bit of freedom. And how do I still honor this pain that I have at the same time, celebrating my birth, celebrating these other things that are that are um, happening? Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think you articulated it very well, especially just that that balance of not just like grief and, and joy and celebration, but also the balancing of time. Like you, you started out and you talked about March being the longest month. It feels like it goes on forever. And then you talked about how you realize, no, it doesn't go on forever. It goes pretty quickly. When we look back on it, when we get to March 31st and we look backwards, we're like, where did all that time go? But on March 1st, it feels like it feels like we've already been here for for days and days and weeks. And so I appreciate you articulating that. And I really like the the visualization of March taking on a different form each year. And I like that you talked about this one being redemption. And I appreciate you um, tying that together into this parental journey that you've been on. And talking about how the book specifically titled C.S. Bloom um, Mm -hmm. is coming out as like a cult, not just not only with the want to and the hope that it could be for your child specifically, but for all of our collective children, the next generation, the people who Mm -hmm. are going to learn, the people who we want to see stories like this. Um, Before we jump to the book, outside of that, what form of does redemption look like for you right now in March? Has it taken shape yet? It's only March 3rd, I guess, when we're recording this. So have you have you started to see the outline of what that looks like yet? Or is that still forming? That's a beautiful question because I think that's something that we should be asking ourselves even more and more frequently, right? Um, March 3rd, I think even in small ways, I'm finding myself braver than ever. So meaning even having this conversation with you, or if someone were to ask me, hey, I want to talk to you about this, or do you want to be in this conversation? The county three years ago, or even two, I would probably bow out and say, oh, no, thank you. I'm too busy. I'm, you know, doing this. And I don't know if part of it is having the imposter syndrome. Um, That could be it too. And that's totally normal (laughs) because definitely I have that. Um, At the same time, I know part of being compassionate to myself is saying yes, right? Because when we think about okay, am I seeing the fruits of my work? Or am I seeing 
things coming to be, I have to be compassionate or I will never, Patrick, I mean, I will never be able to see what I want to see and the impact and the work that I want to do. Because the opposite of compassion is getting down on myself, focusing on needing to be perfect. Mm. And that is just going to stop altogether, you know? And so because I'm trying, because I am taking actions that are centered around compassion, I'm already seeing that I am saying yes to things I want to say yes to without shying away from it. I love that. And you know, I think you you definitely probably know this as a storyteller and something that I've learned as a storyteller is that when we tell our own stories, it's really scary. <laughs> like, it's yes. like, it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like, it, it, are people responding? What you know, it, and it feels like because it doesn't necessarily always at first feel like it's for us. Like we're telling our own stories for us. We're telling it for kind of an audience. We're hoping that it resonates with someone. And I think for me, especially like as much as I would love to, uh, or as much as I said at the beginning, yes, I'm doing this uh, because it's a healing moment for me. Like I need to to share. There was always that little piece of me that was like not playing to the crowd or the audience, but was mm. was writing that way and was using words and telling stories, telling my own story that way. And because it was coming from a place of imposter syndrome, you know, and you, we, we need that bravery to get over that. We, and, and to get over that is finding that self-compassion, that self-love to be able to give yourself grace. And, you know, you, you said you, you like you've, you've been you're an educator. My mm-hmm. wife is a middle school teacher. And you talked about how even two or three years ago, you would have been like, no, I have to I can't do this opportunity because I don't have enough time X, Y, Z. And even if it was just getting over the imposter syndrome, I know as an educator, it's like, that's literally the truth. You work your 45 hours that you're supposed to work. Then you work an extra 30 hours uh, during the week and the weekend to get all your stuff set up. And so it just like, it doesn't give you a lot of time to pour into yourself, Mm -hmm. to give yourself that compassion. And so it really heartens me to hear you talk about that because we've been, uh, my wife and I, we've had these conversations recently. It's just like, how do we give back to ourselves while we try to work, while we pour ourselves into this this career that makes up a large part of our identity. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. And so I guess to pivot now off of that, I think it's a good segue to ask to start talking about the book. Because my first question is, not only can you just tell us what the book is, but how did you find the time uh, balancing all of this that you already do to create this piece of work? Thank you so much for that question. And again, like bless your wife. <laughs> Could you say she was a middle school teacher, correct? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a tough job. Um, so yes, time is definitely currency. And um, that does play a huge part in what we decide to do with it. And But energy as well, mm. right? And so I knew those were the two things I needed to look at. What's, what, what's the time do I have outside of my teaching job and my energy level? And how do I find space where those two things come together? Because that will be the sweet spot of where mm. I can start writing. And so for me, it just happens to be mornings because at the end of the school day, I am just uh, exhausted emotionally, socially, mentally because that's what the job requires of being with kids. And so morning is when I'm fresh. I, my mind is clear. I don't have the influences and voices of the society yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can pour yep. into writing as purely as I can. So that's what I did for a couple of years. And sometimes it's literally 20 minutes of writing in the morning or 30, sometimes one hour. It doesn't have to be this huge chunk of time. Mm. Um, and also I have to I have to start thinking about okay, I need to put a boundary within my work too. Because if I feel that the season of being a teacher is over for me, then I can step back and not give in 120%, maybe I'll do 90% or 100%, <laughs> right? So that I can pour into this other thing that I know it's where I need to be right now. Um, so, I mean, 
that, so that's what I had to do for a while. It's writing in the mornings, um, sometimes in the weekends, but I literally said, okay, I, this is me believe this is me betting on myself. Mm. I don't know what's going to come out of this (laughs) by spending my mornings this way, but I'm going to bet on myself and write and write a book. So I love it. And so the product of this, of this, um, process that you have Mm -hmm. created for yourself is C.S. Bloom, which is not only a children's book, but it's specifically a children's poetry book, which I think is really, really interesting and incredible. Tell us about the book. Um, Specifically, obviously, it's for children, but who who, who is it for and what do you hope to get out of it? Sure. Thank you. So yeah, C.S. Bloom is a poetry book focused on the themes of compassion, acceptance, and bravery. And so when I first wrote it, I was thinking about my inner child self Mm. and what I wished to hear. And honestly, Patrick, I went back to some of the poems that I wrote for adults, just in my journals and, or I shared on Instagram. And I kind of pulled from that and brought it down into how a child might receive it in a simpler words and context Mm. And number two, as I was writing, I thought about my nephew, who is about to be nine years old, and how the words I want him to be able to hear at such a young age, especially being um, multiracial, he's Mm. um, Korean, Jewish, American. And so I wanted him to embrace his identity, even when I say when, because it will happen even when he will question his identity and be curious about it. And then thirdly, the way that I wrote for my inner child, like I want this book to be read and to be seen by us adults who grew up not having words of, hey, you belong here, or hey, the way that you speak is totally fine, or you don't have to change your name. Mm. You're, you're good, mm. you know? Yeah. And so I kind of see it as for adults, our inner child self, or the, the kids of this generation um, who need to hear these words. I love it because I feel like those themes are exactly what we've been talking about in our short conversation so far. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I think really stuck out to me and actually that you just talked about, and actually something I saw you say on a video earlier as I was kind of prepping myself for this interview um, is that fact that this book isn't just for children, but you hope that the audience is very wide reaching, particularly for people of color, uh, Asian Americans, especially who didn't grow up with these things. And we're seeing now that we have this material, we have these, these resources, um, these works of art that are available for our children, for our next generation to be able to see themselves reflected and to hopefully grow up not asking the same questions that we were Mm -hmm. asking ourselves as we were growing up. What you said about your nephew, you know, he is going to have those questions about his identity. But, and I was just having this conversation with someone else, Mm -hmm. like that will always happen, but it can happen differently and it should happen differently. We should be evolving the way as children we see ourselves, question our own identities, come up and come through and navigate those types of conversations. And for a while, it feels like we've just been stuck. And so Mm -hmm. I think one of the problems that sticks out to me from that perspective is that we don't have resources that really branch out further than their intended audience. So don't Mm -hmm. carry messages, I think, that are universal, or that can be seen, or that have not an ulterior motive, but like a just another layer of, of nuance, I guess I'll call it. And so can you talk about the process of deciding how you would layer in those little bits and pieces that were for folks like myself, folks from from our generation, folks who are a little bit older parents who are picking this book up for their children? How did you how were you able to kind of pick and choose how you wanted that to be represented as you were going through the creative process? That's a really that's a really important question, Patrick. Um So poetry in itself can feel, first of all, that genre can feel overwhelming and many people don't know what to do with it or how, how could that relate to me? Um, So, but I, so I wanted the poems to be more of affirmations and affirmations that are 
simple words, easy to understand, because we can all identify with what affirmations are. Whether you give yourself a positive affirmation or negative, we are always mm. talking to ourselves. Mm. Even kids are always talking to themselves. So how can we change that inner dialogue at a young age, right? And so that was my um, groundwork of, I want these poems to be in a form of affirmations because kids do that already. And so secondly, even though these are individual poems that can be read op opening up to any page, it also follows a story. So it mm. follows a story, a linear story of a boy and his family. They moved into a new town. And so it's, I moved into a new town, new school, new friends. How do I navigate through change? And so the big theme is change. And mm. how do I stand who, to who I am within this new space? And so I think because it follows a story that kids are used to, that parents may be used to, it's approachable in that way. And so you mm. could read one poem, you know what's happening in the story through very explicit and beautiful illustrations. A parent or, or a caregiver, big brother, big sister is able to then have that conversation saying, hey, have you, have you ever felt left out? Um, at school, right? Or when was a time that someone called you something that didn't make you feel, that didn't make you feel like yourself? So for example, there's a part in the story where the boy goes to a new school and the teacher calls him by the name, but he actually wants to be called by his Korean name. Mm. And so he says, call me, you know, Pada. And so whether you have a name outside of an American name, you can talk about, have you ever been identified as something that you are not, right? And how did that make you feel? What could you say to tell someone that actually this is who I am or call me, right, by this? And so, again, because it follows a story that many kids can um, understand, change can be big or small, right? Mm. And it's written in affirmations. I feel that it can be really approachable to to anyone. So that was kind of like my process in working through it. I like that. And I like that, you know, you earlier talked about how you, when you first started to go into this process, you went back to some of your old poetry that you wrote for adults specifically to be able to draw on some of these themes. And I just like that it, it branches across all of those things. And Especially, like you said, made approachable. I think from an adoptee standpoint, I think about a lot of literature, a lot of things that come out in our community. It's like, how do we mm -hmm. take these concepts that someone like myself might enjoy and make them more approachable is actually a really great way to describe it for other people outside of that community. Because I think at the end of the day, I think what something that this book is going to do is help build empathy outside of our community, not only within the community ourselves, we build compassion within ourselves and with, within that intra-diaspora, but especially outside, I think that's the beauty of children's books um, that I see is that they can help to build that empathy, especially when they, with that in the back of your mind, knowing this is for everyone. It's not just for mm -hmm. your kid. It's just not, it's not just for the person who might be looking for their reflection in this type of literature. Um, were there any affirmations that you were going through and deciding like, these are the things that are going to fit within this story that I'm telling that you maybe didn't struggle with incorporating into the work, but you had to go back and forth on, were there things that you were like, mm -hmm. this works or this doesn't work? Were there a lot of like iterations when it comes to affirmations? Because I think there are a lot of things that could be considered affirmations. For you in that process, was there something specific that was just like, this has given me a lot of trouble? Mm, okay. Yeah. So first of all, just choosing them was difficult because <laughs> I wrote way more than what the book could hold. And so we did. <laughs> we did. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, maybe for a next book. So I did have to pare it down a lot. Mm. And from that point on, I had to decide that each poem, again, could stand on its own. So even right. though they all encompass the three themes, I didn't want it to be repetitive. And so that I had to think about, but one that sticks out to me of, okay, I really want this poem to be in here. 
Um, but how can I, you know, word it? Does it really go with everything? Was this poem called We Can Ask for Help? And mm. so you right now, Patrick, you had talked about how the compassion going beyond ourselves mm. and how can it reach other people. And so one of the big things I wanted to incorporate with this book is not just the aspect of self-care, which I 100% believe in, but community care. And so I think community care is, self-care has kind of taken over um, wellness. I, I don't know if you want to say wellness space or just what people are thinking about and working towards right now, but what about community, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, because that could go f farther than thinking about just our own care. And so this one particular poem, We Can Ask for Help, I didn't really know how it could fit into the rest of the story, but I really wanted to <laughs> put it in them like, this needs to belong because people need to, everyone needs to understand that, yes, this boy is moving to a new place, new school and everything, but I want to bring in the message of this boy being able to ask for help and that being seen as a strength and not as a weakness. And so we worked it out because it kind of comes up in a school scene, which sure. it works really well, sure. of course. But, but again, and when I think about even my own identity as Korean American or Asian, um, that is something that I'm actually proud of. We are very community oriented opposed to being um individualistic and so i wanted to highlight that you know in something from my culture that i, I really really appreciate um yes so. yeah i i mean i'm over here getting kind of emotional because i i love it because i can i can see myself as a child wanting to ask for help but not knowing how and not feeling like i was able to do that in a safe way. And because I, I was never taught, like you can be impressed upon that. Oh, if something happens, if you hurt yourself, like go to a, a, an adult person and ask for help, mm -hmm. but that's less so taught or it was for a long time that like, if you don't know what's going on in, in your life, like if you're feeling these crises of identities, then we don't, we, there was no literature. There was no, there was no framework to go, mm -hmm then you need to go ask this person for help or you need to go ask this person for help or, or learn how to develop that skill. And I'm so glad that you're able to work that in because I can think of many instances of school where I was like, I'm not going to ask for help because that's, that feels dangerous to me. So I'm, I'm glad that that was able to be fit in. And I'm sure that this is hopefully the start of many series of books that include all of these different types of affirmations. Um, as you're going this, through this process, were there particular people or things that you were looking at and drawing direct inspiration from? Oh, really great question. I feel really uh, lucky, and I think kids and parents and people do too, that they're in the past several years, there's been so many wonderful ch children's books that mm. highlights, right? Highlights. And it reflects the community that the people are living in with various cultures and backgrounds. And so I feel really lucky that I have already been inspired by so many books around me, you know, that will help me. Um, and so when I got really in, interested in Amanda Gordon, the poet, her work, and when she wrote her children's book, I was really that I think I believe it came out last year. I was blown away because it was a poetry book, but it was meant for kids. Mm. And the words that she used really gave me a lot of strength to think children can read poetry. They can actually think deeply. And so I think in many ways, we underestimate what kids can not just comprehend, but what they can have conversations about and start thinking about. And so she was a big inspiration um, to me. And I think just poetry in general, again, it's kind of not a very popular genre in children's um, world. 
And when when you ask a child about, you know, oh, it's poetry month, April's poetry month, everyone just thinks of the same Shel Silverstein or right. the people, I mean, which we, you know, love those poems, but what about some new? <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> add some other names to these poems, right? Uh, yeah, to the collection of, of poets and people that we know, so. Exactly. Um, what about, so as an educator, as a teacher, what grade level do you teach? So I taught second and third grade for many, many years. And so, and right now, because I do reading intervention and coaching, I primarily work with first and second graders. Okay, gotcha. And so how, how, how did that work influence this process? Were you drawing inspiration from the kids that you were able to work with? Oh, definitely. Because I teach reading. Right. And when we, we talked earlier, though, about affirmations and how we don't we are talking to ourselves all day long. And so when I see kids in a very small group setting and they're reading and I help them with reading, I hear them murmuring, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't read this mm. word. Right. Lot, lots of I can't or I won't. And so I that got me thinking a lot of kids are having inner dialogues all the time. And again, how can we interrupt that, you know, to have them think a little bit more differently or even question, yeah, why would I say that to myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so, um, so yeah, I think because I do see that in my daily work, that became a huge um, inspiration. It's so interesting because it's, it's, it's interesting because we treat children like they're incapable of doing, of processing these really intense or deep or critical thoughts <clears throat> and then expect them to be able to do that as soon as they become reach a certain age. And it's like, well, why didn't you understand? Why don't you know how to do this or think about this this way? Why are you acting this way? And it's just like, well, we're not setting them up for success along the path. Like we are mm -hmm. telling them you have to remain a child, like infantilizing uh, people up until they're, I would say, I, I would used to say 18, but I would say even now, maybe like 16. I feel like it's been that in or that young, that child stage, that adolescent stage has been moved back a little bit um, as I guess technology has sprung us forward and allow access to so many more things. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, again, going back to the impact that this book can have uh, going forward, I think that's something there as well is just being able to uh, being able to help in that regard. Um, I love the I love these little different inspirations because it's easy to imagine yourself as a writer. Uh, and I'm speaking generally, just it's easy mm -hmm. to imagine like myself writing, picking up the page, doing a little research and writing a book. Um, obviously, there's so much more to it than that. There's the time, the energy, the effort, uh, whatever you're investing in this endeavor a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can go right. And a lot of things can go wrong. Um, mm -hmm. What was something for you during this process that happened that you just weren't expecting? Maybe it wasn't good. Maybe it was Maybe it was good or maybe it was bad. But something that just kind of happened throughout that you were like, oh, wow, I was not prepared for this at all. Okay. So backtracking there, Patrick, I did not even expect to write a children's book. <laughs> okay, so just the just the doing, just the doing. Like. Yes, yes, yes. I knew it was going to be in my future, but I thought I would write adult nonfiction mm. book first. Uh, but it happened to be a children's book, so that's one big surprise for me. Um, and then when it when the book first started, when I actually turned in my query or manuscript it was actually written as an abc book it oh, was okay. yes it was an a through a through z affirmations book so for each letter of the alphabet i had a characteristic interesting um, yes a characteristics that it's good to embody and and why and a poem that went went along with it but People were saying that ABC books were really hard to get published. There are too many ABC books or, you know, and so that definitely in a moment that crushed my spirits because you have a, you have a vision of something, sure. right? And you, I want it this way. This has to be that way. So um, that was 
a little, you know, pivot that I had to make, but that's when, you know, I had to be flexible and, and creative and think about, okay, well, what are some other ways this book can come to life with these messages, with this, with these words, that's not in the ABC form. So, so yeah, that was a, that was a surprise. I like that you call it a little pivot because I feel like it's a huge pivot. <laughs> I feel like, okay, we have to make a, a completely new book now. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. So, mm-hmm. okay. So then when you're making that pivot, how did you land on like a, a, a single narrative, like for a single story to be told? Okay. So that I really have to credit my publisher um, Suhani at Modern Miracles because she brought that up to me and saying, hey, we have these poems and what do you think about having a story that mm. could go along with it if we can find one? Um, and I thought about that and I thought, that's wonderful because when kids read books, they read picture books and mm. picture books follow a story. And so we work together on what that story would be like and then we went to the drawing board of looking at all the poems. I looked at all the poems and thought about, okay, feels like this kind of story about a change this family would go through would really mirror these poems. Mm. And so that was the decision we made. I love it. And mm-hmm. talk about then, okay, you, you've made the pivot. We're not doing ABCs. <laughs> we're doing a linear story. We're still going to do affirmations, but we're going to tell a single narrative. And then obviously this is going to be a children's book. And like you just said, children's books are picture books. They follow a story. Talk about, or if you can talk a little bit about how Mm -hmm. the illustration process came together and what was your first reaction to seeing those, your words become visual? Mm, I am so in awe of illustrators because I, I always felt this way if I'm reading a graphic novel or, you know, a, a picture book, but when you see your own words, just like what you said, come to life visually, it's like, oh, you literally read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. So Emily Peck is the illustrator of this book. And my publisher, she came to me with a couple of illustrators Mm. for me to look at their portfolio and their works of art. And Emily's work um, really drew me in because of the softness of the images that I wanted in my book. So I I didn't have a vision of how I wanted illustrations to look like. But for me... Um, I think emotion or aesthetics is very important to me. So I knew I wanted the book to feel soft and warm Mm. and not loud. And, um, right. And so I didn't want bright, you know, fluorescent colors and, um, things like that. And I wanted to be soft, like color, color pencil kind of look. So, and it turned out perfect. And when I saw it, I cried. (laughs) (laughs) I was really overwhelmed. Like, this is just beautiful. And just how they're able to visually represent someone's words. It is, it is a work of art for the lack of better words. But yeah, I was blown away. I I can't even imagine um, receiving something like that for the first time and being able to look at it. Like I've been privy to a couple friends who have worked on some kids books, uh, in the adoptee space and have sent me mm-hmm. kind of their first drafts. And it is like, you get emotional because you mm-hmm. see like, and you're seeing it. And these aren't even, this isn't even my words. Like this isn't even my work that I'm looking, looking at illustrated, but it's just like, I, I, I can't even imagine. So I really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, it's a feeling that, I don't know. Is it like validation? Would you consider it to like a, like a feeling of validation to see, not only just to see your words on the page, but to see how someone has taken your words and translated them into a visual medium? Yes, I definitely felt validated. I mean, I was just like, like nodding, like, yes, this is exactly <laughs> so validation for sure. And it just takes the words to another level. Mm. I mean, yeah. you know, words evoke feelings. Sure. That's why you and I read and write, right? 
Um, and then you have images on top of that. I feel like it's like another layer of experiencing those emotions again, maybe differently. I like it. I like it. And you absolutely should be validated in the work that you've done, the the videos and the pictures and the stuff that you shared of the book already. I completely agree with that softness that you feel from it. Like it feels inviting and like okay, to go back to how you described it originally approachable this message is approachable the story is an approachable one and it does feel like that and having not read the book yet like just from what i've seen uh ex- or externally definitely i definitely definitely feel that when can people see this book this where they're listening to this now it's april 1st they're chomping at the bit we've been talking about it for a while now and they want to go buy this when can they get their hands on it so it releases on april 3rd April 3rd. Oh, so in a couple, two days. Okay. Yes. The yes. pre-order link is in, the, yes. the link to pre-order is in the show notes. So make sure you go there because it comes out very soon. <laughs> um, as we approach this date then, so obviously we still have a month as we're recording this a month to go. Mm-hmm. And as we get closer, as that time to that, um, what is it? The pub date, the pub birthday, whatever it is uh, for, mm-hmm. for publish or for authors, as we get closer to that date, what are you, not what are you feeling? I guess, what are you feeling right now in these moments as it gets closer, as it draws closer, Mm -hmm. but what are you hoping to come away with after that? Like, are, are you, are you preparing yourself for the, the feedback, the, the emotional responses that you're going to get from people and, and, and the like from that perspective or, or what, how are you preparing yourself for going beyond April 3rd? Mm. Oh, I don't even know if I can fully prepare for what is ahead of me or what I might be, um, how it'll affect me, uh, this book coming out. What I can say is that when I had gotten the book, a physical copy of my book, I was really emotional and even sharing a little bit that I did on social media felt really good and vulnerable. And when I, when people actually get the books and read it, I feel really thankful that my, not just my words are out there, but that wow, these feelings that I've had and the words I wish that I grew up receiving can now be received by so many people who also need it. So it makes me feel very humbled, like Mm. really, really humbled that I can do this. And I'm scared because... (laughs) I mean, anytime I think we put work out there, it's so vulnerable. Mm, And I do feel this sense of like, feeling like totally naked. And I'm Mm. like, ah, you know, I mean, people are going to see my my words and they're going to have a copy. What if they feel let down by it? I mean, I'm being honest. I have lots of emotions of, oh, this is people are excited, but they read it. And what if they're like, oh, it's not as good as I thought it would be. (laughs) You know, so those feelings come up too, right? Um, And I know that's going to happen at any stage. You know, my next book that I'll write or whatever may happen next, I know those feelings of possibly letting someone down will be there. But... I know that's part of it. And I also know that all I can do is be true to who I am, be true to who I want to serve and my intentions. And I can't really um, control the outcome. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I mean, I, I think that's a hard, that's a difficult thing for many people to not only understand, but to just like understand in the context of their own life of like what I can and can't control. And also like what, what the understanding of giving up those things that I can't control can do for everything that I can control. 
how much you can start to pour into these other areas and whatnot. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer the emotional swings, the highs and lows that come with a really vulnerable endeavor like writing a children's book and or putting any public work out there. But, you know, I think it, it, hearing you talk about that and, and preparing yourself, I, it takes me it makes me think about what we talked about at the very beginning about compassion, particularly for yourself. And then also knowing that that compassion extends outwardly through the community and that that compa- compassion can look differently sometimes, um, whether it be constructive criticism, whether it can be unconstructive mm-hmm. criticism. You know, it doesn't necessarily always mean it's coming from a place of 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 negative intent. But, you know, it it impacts us in a lot of different ways and it can be difficult. And so I appreciate you sharing that. I think just even talking about it like this in this setting, you know, is vulnerability in itself, not even putting the book out, but talking about that process, talking about the feelings and emotions that you have, not just holding the page for the first time, but knowing that when that goes out on April 3rd, you're going to have those feelings all over again. And it's going to be it's going to be a lot. But I think it's going to be pretty incredible. I'm, I'm really excited for you and, and excited to see this journey continue to unfold. Um, as we wrap here, as we get close to the end of our conversation, one, I just want to thank you again for giving me the time, for hanging out with me as I stumbled through two minutes of not remembering the question that I was going to ask you and <laughs> extending me the grace to finally ask you the question. Um, the book is not... The book is the big milestone achievement coming up. It's not the only thing that you're working on right now, um, I think. The thing that I'm particularly referencing is your newsletter. I just want to touch very briefly on it because every I'm not kidding you. Every single time I see it come into my inbox, there is something in the newsletter that I have literally been thinking about either that day or the previous day. It's been really, wow. it's almost surreal how how kind of in line our maybe thought processes are at certain periods of time. Very, very interesting. Um, can you talk just a little bit about the newsletter and how it, how it either is an extension of not only the work that you do, but maybe an extension of the book itself and what you're hoping to do with that piece of work as well? Well, thank you so much also just for this time, but generosity of your attention and time and, and reading the newsletter every week. Um, So that was definitely an act of bravery. And I've been wanting to write a new, and I've talked to you about this before, I think, uh, but I've been wanting to write a newsletter for a while. And I don't know what was stopping me, but things stopped me. Um, And I got started and it's called Late Bloomers Club. And it really touches on the themes of, of this book and beyond. And I talk about just, you know, uh, themes of relationships, work, creativity, the unknown, and I guess just like nuances mm. of life. Um, and so I try to also share something that's happening in my life and how it might, some, someone else might be thinking about that as well. And parting words to kind of take with you for, for the week. And so I believe that these are small little nuanced things that we, we all kind of think about in our journey as, you know, living here, but we may not always be voicing or it may be mm. kind of hard to articulate or embarrassed to say. Like last week, I talked about having FOMO mm. <laughs> and um, what that, you know, feels like or, or being nostalgic and how nostalgia can be good, but at times it, it doesn't always feel good if somebody remembers you in a way that you don't want to be remembered anymore. And so I get so excited every time I write, Patrick. <laughs> and actually, I wish I could be more efficient in trying to write in batches because mm. I know that's a very efficient thing to do. <laughs> Maybe I will do that, but for some reason, I just have to write about what I am thinking, learning about in that moment. Agreed. And I have no other way to do it yet, <laughs> but for for me, that works to just literally write it week by week off the cuff, I guess. Um, and so I don't know what will come out of it, but I want something to come out of it. I actually have big hopes 
explore this. I mean, whether it goes to paid or it becomes something else, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I do believe it's the it's an ex- extension of the book for adults, mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll go beyond that. But thank you for asking. Oh, absolutely. It's one of the highlights in my inbox every week. And, you know, I asked you about inspirations. You are someone that I take inspiration from when I approach writing and creating content, especially just feels like, you know, we're kindred spirits in a certain way when it comes to the things that we're thinking about, how we're Mm -hmm. processing things. And it really means a lot to me to be able to read and share in your words and to be inspired and motivated by them. So thank you for that. Uh, The book is C.S. Bloom. The release date is April 3rd. The author is Kyunghee Kim. Kyunghee, where can people find you? They want to follow along your journey if they want to sign up for the newsletter. How do they get a hold of you? Great. Um, So all of my links are on my Instagram handle, which is Kyunghee Writes. My webpage is kimkyunghee.com. And there is a link to my book and my newsletter as well. So please sign up. Please sign up. We'll have all of those things linked in the show notes as well. Again, huge privilege and honor for me to have this conversation. I do want to let you know that you're the first guest that I've had on that's not an adoptee, uh, which makes me very happy because that was the whole point of me starting this show. Not that I don't want to have those conversations, but it's, again, branching out, going further, doing having, having different conversations with different people who come from those different experiences. So thank you for giving me that privilege, that time, uh, that opportunity to do so with you. Um, for everybody else, thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up every month and for making this a worthwhile endeavor for me. Uh, wouldn't be able to do it without the audience, without the community that makes up the people who put this on their podcast every month. So that means a lot to me as well. You can go to at conversation pod piece. If you want to follow along on social media, there are zero posts there and I don't know when I'm going to get to making any content for that account, but that's where I'm kind of starting to build that community there. You can follow me at Patrick in the world for anything else related to the work that I'm doing. But other than that, Kyunghee, happy birthday. Thank you so much. Very, very excited for CS Bloom to come out for the world to be able to take this book and learn from it, to grow from it and build a more compassionate community. So excited for that. For everybody else, thanks again. We'll see you next month. Thank you so much for having me.